What? 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 What is is this? Is this pH five? Really? Oh man, I I totally thought you were just gonna give up on that after that almost two months off. You're actually gonna keep going? Wait, you're gonna do a whole new season of PH5 in 2022? I thought that was just your weird vanity project for 2021. You know, I thought you were just kinda, you know, sitting at home bored all the time because you were in school and uh, you had nothing better to do so you felt like you could just like talk to yourself on a podcast all the time and that would kinda help pass the time. But like, you're, you're, you're gonna keep doing it. Really, you really think that people actually give that much of a shit about what music you like that you're going to continue rambling to yourself on record and then release it into the world for an entire new year? You goddamn right, folks. Welcome back to PH5. This is Phil May, your loving host. Um, yeah, we're doing it again. Uh, that guy who was just talking there, he's a hater. We, we don't care about his type. Uh, we're doing PH5. We're into season two now. Crazy stuff. Um, I can't believe I'm still doing this. Uh, what's, 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 what's going on? Um, th you know, things are a little bit different over here in PH5 land. Um, I'm sitting at a desk. That's cool. Uh, I used to just, like, set this shit up, like, MacGyver style around my bed and, like, be in bed while I recorded my episodes. Like, literally, like, tucked in and shit. Um, I'm on a desk now, so that's new. That's a new and exciting update to the PH5 formula. Um, what else is going on? Well, I have, like, a job now. Um... Yeah, a job that sees me kind of retreating back to my former area of expertise. So I actually think that PH5 is going to become almost more important to me this year than it was last year because this is going to be my opportunity to indulge in the things that I like and, and the things that I'm passionate about. Whereas I'm just not really going to have that many opportunities, I guess, to do that otherwise. Um, what with my new job kicking off. Uh, it's January 31st here in Toronto, our lockdown, our like eighth lockdown, um, just ended. So congrats to everyone who is alive and well and survived yet again. Um, and condolences to those of you who didn't, I guess. Oof, rough start. Um, we're gonna be doing a rundown of January's albums. Yeah, I bet you guys saw that coming. Um, January was actually an interesting month, as I say with every month. I will talk a little bit about why, but I'm, I'm kind of wanting to introduce like a few new features this time around. You know, new season, new features. And something that I noticed from last season, it's weird to refer to it as that, um, last year, whatever you want to call it, uh, I had to kind of leave a lot of records out. I've kind of limited myself with this format, oops, uh, and only being able to really talk about eight records a month is, uh, it can be tough. 
I mean, well, some months, actually, I struggle to find eight to talk about. But other months, it's like, wow, there was, like, a handful of records that I listened to and, and really enjoyed or thought there was something cool about them one way or the other, but I just, you know, with this format that I've kind of, you know, shot myself in the foot with, I can't really include those. So, um, best part about making the rules is kind of breaking them. So, what I'm going to do this season is I'm going to do kind of like a 30-second rundown of all the other records that I listened to this month um, that, for whatever reason, just didn't quite make it onto either the mentions or the actual top five. Um, but, like, I still enjoyed them, and I still feel like they deserve a shout-out. So, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do, like, a quick... We'll call it the, uh... The, um... The 30 Seconds of Madness. That's a god-awful name for the segment, and I will workshop something different for next episode. Uh, but for now, we're gonna call it the 30 Seconds of Madness, where I'll just kinda, like, quickly run through everything that I didn't get to talk about otherwise. Um, one other thing... Oh, my goodness, excuse me. Bit of a... <laughs> I need to be burped over here. Wah, wah. Um, back when I used to, so the, you know, this is like a, a January callback. How fitting. Full circle. So, on my very first episode, I talked about the origin of PH5 and how I used to do um, segment for a blog called Phil's 5. And one of the kind of fun things I would do for that blog was every record that I would talk about, I would add the forget the exact name, but it was like, like, ridiculous, stupid, like, you know, pretentious genre of the day, where basically I would just, like, make up a genre to describe an album with. Um, genres are dumb, but they're also, uh, they're, they're kind of like, um, like road signs, you know? And, uh, what's more fun than coming up with crazy and wacky road signs, right? I know we all love doing that. So, and the point I'm trying to make is, so, all the records that I talk about in depth, uh, I'll, I'll leave out the, the 30 seconds of madness records will probably just, I don't have time, that's only 30 seconds. Um, but all the other records, I'm gonna kind of attribute a stupid genre tag to, um, just kind of keep it fun, you know? I mean, I want to keep you guys engaged, and what's more engaging than hearing me earnestly say some ridiculous shit like post-judo-core jazz rap, you know? Um, it's actually cool, cool genre. I think that new Earl Sweatshirt album is probably described as that. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we're gonna do. You know, gotta keep things coming, keep it new, keep it fresh. Brand new season, um, brand new haircut. So I want to make sure that the show reflects that. So, I am so excited. I hope you are too. Why don't we go ahead and start with PH5, the brand new very first episode of 2022. Let's get to it. You know how the format goes. Um, 
the 30 seconds of madness, I have no idea when I'm gonna do that. Uh, maybe, maybe right before the number two and number one albums, but after the mentions. Probably makes most sense, right? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay, guys, Phil May, PH5. Thank you for listening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are. Okay, so let's do it. Here we go. Here we go. Um, number five. First time I've, first time of the season saying number five. So, you know, really got to lean into it. So number five for January 2022, PH5 season two, episode one. We are going with Kralis. Crystalline, or is it Crystalline? Crystalline Exhaustion. First of all, shouts out to Kralis for being the first official act to be featured twice on PH5. Uh, that's right, last summer, I, or spring or something, uh, I talked about their last record, Daemonic Wealth. So it's really a testament to uh, how prolific and consistent this band is that you know, they released an album not even a full year ago, and it was good enough for me to talk about in my top five records of that month, and now here we are, you know, again, less than a year later, and they released another album, and it's also good enough that I want to talk about in my top five records. Like, you know, there are a lot of bands and artists out there who just, like, release so much shit, and, you know, the reason why a lot of them release so much stuff is because the music isn't good, you know? So they have to take the quantity over quality approach. It's very rare that you come across an artist or a band or whatever it may be that is releasing music at a really, really high pace, but the music's actually worthy of listening to. Um, Kratlis is definitely one of those bands. I mean, they've released four records in four years now, and other than math, math, Math Cacixis, that's like a, that's like your, um, like a, like a math professor's album. Um, but other than Math Cacixis, oh my god, Math Cacixis in 2020, which kind of sucked, they've been four for four. Well, I guess three for four, since I just said that record kind of sucked. So, Kralis, again, is a, you know, square quotes to the end of time here, black metal band from New York, who've been releasing music for 15 to 20 years now. And they've always been kind of on the cutting edge of black metal, kind of leading um, this weird experimental American black metal scene uh, that has become quite popular over the past decade or so. Uh, Kralis again remains one of my favorite bands out of the whole bunch, just because like, they've stayed weird, they continue to get weirder, and again, they're always releasing new music and it's always great. So it's an easy band to love. Uh, so on last year's Daemonic Wealth, they introduced this interesting kind of new wrinkle into their fold, where these really icy synths started to take over the makeup of a lot of their songs. 
And this is a band that is used since, you know, since day one, basically. But on Demonic Wealth, the synth started to kind of take over a little bit, and you had some tracks where the, the kind of synthy ambience was more the point of the song rather than being a compliment to the actual, you know, chaotic technical black metal that serves as the base for Kralis' music. They really continue this trend here on Crystalline Exhaustion. Uh, you look at the cover art and it looks like a picture taken like on the inside of a glacier. And I mean, like this sounds like the inside of a glacier. Like, you guys ever, uh, you guys ever play like Donkey Kong? Um, remember, remember like the ice, ice worlds and like the ice caves? Well, this, this is like, uh, this music sounds like the soundtrack to those ice worlds, uh, you know, albeit really heavy. Um, <laughs> I would love to play a Donkey Kong game soundtrack by Black Metal, by the way. I think that would be stellar. Um, Nintendo, if that ends up happening, though, I will be expecting a check for the idea. So, yeah, uh, as I was saying, so the cover looks like something, like a picture taken inside of a glacier, and yeah, that's kind of what this sounds like. So, I, I think synesthesia is kind of a corny thing. That's that thing where, you know, some artists claim that, you know, they can they have like a crossover of their sensors, senses where they can, you know, like taste colors and, you know, hear shapes and blah, blah, blah. Whatever, you know, I, I've honestly always believed that to be um, a, lord of, a load of horseshit, if I'm being honest with you. But there might be something to it. And if I'm also being honest, I mean, I've had some uh, instances um, under the influences of you know, some things where maybe I've experienced that to an extent. So maybe these people are just like totally fried out of their brains on drugs. They are musicians after all, what do you expect? My point being, um, yeah, I like, it's weird how a sound can sound cold, but that's what Kralis has done with this record. A lot of the synth sounds that are really taken over their music here the synths just sound icy and cold, and they, they, you hear a sound and, like, it sounds blue. And I know that sounds ridiculous, and to those of you out there who are not tripping on mushrooms listening to this podcast, just, you know, bear with me here. But that's just how I would describe it. It's a very cold-sounding record. And, I mean, I'll tell you, having been in, you know, kind of trapped in my apartment for the past few weeks and like you go outside and it's like minus 15 it, it, it it's kind of close to home you know like uh this record sounds like what the outside of my window looks like right now so i think that kralis's you know they, they they've really taken on this really synth forward sound i mean of course it's still black metal, you still have blast beats, and you still have absolutely insane riffage, and guttural vocals, and all that fun stuff. But, the way that they've kind of put their ambient side forward really makes this a really interesting listen, and one that makes it unique in their massive discography, which again, is, is kind of hard to say considering how their 
always releasing music. The title track itself uh, is the last song of the record is almost 15 minutes long and that song alone is like an EP's worth of ideas of music right in there. So I, I'll never be baffled or I'll never be not baffled rather by how much creativity this band has and how they manage to consistently put out music that is groundbreaking, challenging, but but absolutely engrossing. So coming in at number five for January 2022, we have Kralis with Crystalline Exhaustion. Okay, um, the ridiculous made-up genre of the day for Kralis, Crystalline Exhaustion. I really should have thought of these before uh, recording. So we're going off the dome this week, folks. I am going to say Ice Metal. Yeah, Ice Metal. Alright, coming in at number four for January 2022, we have Babyface Ray with Face. So, Babyface Ray is not a brand of baby food. Um, it is, well, he is, if you will, a rapper from Detroit. On the big time come up right now, you know, probably one of the bigger underground rappers in Detroit at this time. And he had kind of a big breakthrough last year with his uh, mixtape Unfuckwithable. But this is, this is the album that kind of really sees him coming into his own and releasing a really solid project that I feel like he can stand behind as a testament to... Uh, who he is as an artist, as a rapper, and what he kind of brings to the table. So, what I really like about this record is its consistency. So, it's 20 songs long. I mean, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a hip-hop record in the past five years that isn't fucking 20 songs long at this point. But what's different from this record and a lot of the other bloated, you know, gaming the streaming system-esque records that hip-hop artists are releasing right now, is that kind of all the songs are good. Like, I'm gonna talk about the Gunna album later, but that song also had like 20, 25 songs or something like that. And most of them sucked. And that's kind of the case with a lot of these records that rappers are putting out. There's like maybe five good songs there's maybe like 10 okay songs and the rest is just absolute garbage filler that it's only on there because you know those streaming numbers are are king in this day and age and the only way to get them is to just bloat the shit out of your records uh but yeah what i really like about this is none of the songs suck you know every one of them sounds kind of in place and you're never really feeling lulled down by the record at any point. You know, from the entire start to finish, uh, Babyface keeps you engaged. He's got a he's got a really kind of charming persona. He's he's low key, kind of kind of mumbly, 
but also he's, he just sounds very confident at the same time and like the mumble I guess I hate using the word mumble because you're automatically gonna start thinking of mumble rap which apart from being racist um, is just a, a terrible term to describe a really non-existent genre um, mumble rap doesn't exist folks there are other ways to describe it but my point being you know he doesn't enunciate very clearly but it's not in the vein of all of these you know other rappers that do it to service their accents or you know service the kind of drugged out spaciness of it all he just kind of sounds like a laid-back kind of guy you know like this is probably just how he talks and how he is but again he's a uh, he sounds confident. It's not a result of him being timid or anything like that. He, when he raps, he does with a lot of confidence. And, you know, he's got great bars. He's one of those rappers that you wouldn't necessarily pick out a specific line and be like, wow, that was awesome. But there are no clunker lines either. And he's, he's kind of more of a storyteller than someone who just kind of is flexing nonstop. Sure, he does love to flex. But, you know, in a, in a tasteful way. Uh, not in a gonna type way. Again, we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, for a record that is kind of coming out of nowhere. Like, if you're outside of Detroit and you don't follow a lot of underground rap, you probably haven't heard of Babyface Ray. But the features on this record are, are kind of A-list. And everyone came to play. Like... None of the features are bad, they're all great, and they all add to the sound. Uh, and the list of features is, is actually pretty eclectic, considering um, kind of the niche genre that uh, Babyface embodies. Um, you know, kind of specifically sticking uh, to the world of Detroit rap. But he's got features from Young Lean to Pusha T to Wiz Khalifa. Um, Three names I really wouldn't have ever expected to appear in the same project together, ever. But here they are, and... Again, another testament to the talent of Babyface Ray is... All the features work, too. He manages to fit all of these disparate voices into this solid, full-length project in a way that just kind of makes sense. And that's not easy to do, you know? Um... When you're putting together like a big, I don't honestly know if this is like a big major label debut or whatever it might be, but you know when you're putting together records for, you know, and you want to break through, there's a lot of pressure to get all these high, you know, high feature features, <laughs> redundant, um, and, and oftentimes it just doesn't work because you're just kind of cherry picking people who are popular and just kind of sticking them on your track regardless of whether or not there's any chemistry or actual artistic intent, but it just works. He he makes it work and you can tell there's a level of respect from all the features here for Babyface Ray. Um, again, they're not phoned in and they all kind of fit within the parameters of the songs themselves. So honestly, just a really, really impressive record from this guy. Uh, one that I've listened to a lot. I mean, I've been fairly meh with the hip-hop release so far this year um 
going to talk about the Gunner record later for the third time. Uh, the Earl Sweatshirt album was just like kind of okay. So hearing this record gives me hope for what the rest of the year has in store. And I'm excited to see what the future has for Babyface Ray himself because this could be a star making record if it falls into the right years. So, the ridiculous, made-up, pretentious, contrived genre of the day for Babyface Ray, I'm going to say Melancholic Defunk. You know, a lot of the music is kind of featured around that Detroit hip-hop style that involves a lot of funk and a lot of, um, you know, bass lines that kind of meander and, and, and bring to mind sometimes, like, you know, 80s cop shows and stuff like that. Uh, but he also brings to the table a lot of that kind of Chicago kind of tragedy rap, you know, that G Herbo has really made popular. Kind of a nice fusion between those sounds, but he's also not afraid to have fun either. So there we go. Melancholic Defunk, why not? Again, coming in at number four for the month is Babyface Ray with Face. Okay, coming in at number three, we have The Weeknd with Don FM. Uh, you guys ever you heard of this guy before, The Weeknd? Um, so, Don FM, wow. I feel like this record, so, I love the album, but I'm like... I almost feel bad for the weekend because I feel like the story of Gunna getting number one on the Billboard over him almost like overshadowed all of the actual discourse around this record because it's such an amazing pop masterpiece that I don't understand why it hasn't been kind of what most of the mainstream media has been talking about, at least in music circles, but for some reason, you know, Gunna getting the number one spot just kind of took over the conversation, which I think is really unfair because this is far and away the weekend's best work and the amount of m meticulous energy and, and thought that went into this record is, is just insane. So the fact that we're talking about the fact that fucking Gunna beat him out by like 2Ks like, who cares? Um, I think this is genuinely a record where The Weeknd wasn't really trying to, um, you know, hit the top of the Billboard charts or, or appeal to as many people as possible. Um, this really sounds like a record that he made almost for himself, you know? Like, I remember seeing an article a few months ago, back in maybe the middle of 2021, where he was talking about Don FM and the music he was set to release and he was saying this is the music that I've been wanting to make my entire life now he's finally able to make it and I mean if you think about the fact that this record had like less than a week of promotion before it came out um I feel like the singles push hasn't really been that big for the record I don't know it's a very interesting kind of 
rollout for the weekend. I mean, this is one of the biggest pop stars on the planet, and yet this album hasn't really gotten the big pop star treatment. So it does really feel like a personal kind of pet project for him. And it's awesome, you know? Like, I wish other pop stars would kind of just let themselves be liberated a little bit of the whole numbers game of music release and dig into their interests and dig into what it is that they want to make a little bit more because then you end up with records that'll stand the test of time like this one. Like, sure, maybe this album won't sell as much as, I don't know, like Beauty Behind the Madness, one of his earlier records, um, with a lot of pop success, but, I mean, who's going back to that record now? Really, you know? Not really anyone. Whereas, he's created a really timeless piece of pop with this one that I think people are going to enjoy 10, 20, 30 years from now. Um, so, listening to this record, you can kind of pick up on one thing. Uh, the weekend feels kind of bad about stuff. <laughs> I remember listening to this record on maybe my third time through and it all just kind of clicked for me that this is this is kind of the weekend's way of uh, kind of resetting the page a little bit. Um, it's It was always funny to me that he became as popular as he did because if you take a look at his early music and I mean even some of his more modern contemporary music like this is some dark shit and it can get pretty questionable at times. Like, the fact that someone who uh, made that track Initiation off that Thursday mixtape, which if you haven't heard, go look it up, or just at least look up the lyrics to it. Like, the fact that the guy who made that song, and many other songs like it in that early era, uh, is, like, winning Kids' Choice Awards, and, you know, again, like, headlining the Super Bowl, it's always kind of blown my mind, like, wow, okay, like, <laughs> I guess as a society, we're, we're cool with how much of a piece of shit this weekend character is. Anyway, he's much older now, and I think he has done a lot of reflecting in his, uh, you know, COVID-19 pandemic lockdown, and I, I think he's, he's just feeling bad about the image he portrayed, the songs that he used to do, you know, um, the way that he treated women on early releases. There's a, there's kind of a thread of, um, you know, apology and, 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 and trying to kind of reconcile who he was with uh, who he is now and, and, and just trying to kind of make sense of what he did to get to where he is today. Um, I genuinely think he's a good person, and I genuinely think that this record is kind of him turning a new page into a character that, you know, isn't all about doing drugs until, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning and sleeping with dozens of people on a nightly basis kind of thing. This This is like the... Hey, I'm, I'm growing up now, and uh, I'm ready to move all past that kind of record. And I mean, you see that with uh, the Quincy Jones kind of little monologue in the record where he talks about, you know, what happened in his past to 
kind of shape the relationship that he has with women later in his life. Um, that's just not there. That's not there for no reason. Like the weekend put that there because he wants people to kind of understand where he's coming from too, and understand that he recognizes his his past faults and you know the shadiness of who he was for the longest time. Um, in terms of the music itself. Like, I've heard a lot of people be like, oh, this is The Weeknd's disco album or whatever. And that's just, it's just wrong. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, disco-esque moments in it for sure. But he draws upon a really wide palette of really interesting sounds that is like a cool mix of the past and the future. He, he basically takes every pop style that existed in the 80s, whether that's... Again, like, new wave, post-punk, um, even city pop, uh, Japanese city pop on Out of Time. And he blends it with this kind of really futuristic production method to create the sound that is kind of pulling you in both directions at once, um, in the past and into the future. The fact that this record was kind of executive produced by One Tricks Point Never and Max Martin is, in my mind, where the genius of this whole thing comes into play. So you have basically the two best producers out there on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum working together to kind of meet a middle ground, and this is the record that comes of it. Um, you know, One Tricks being responsible for some of the craziest experimental records of the past, you know, decade, and then Max Martin being responsible for, you know, probably half the songs on Billboard of the past decade. So, getting the person who's the best at accessibility and working with the person who's the best at experimentalism. Is is, is is just genius, and you get this kind of um, swirly cone of sweet goodness that kind of resonates throughout the entire record. Um, I don't want to give a special mention to the last song on this album. I really, like, believe in this song. Is that weird to say? Of course it's weird to say. It's kind of corny. But it reminds me a lot of... Um, if you remember when After Hours was kind of announced, uh, Heartless and Blinding Lights were released simultaneously as singles. And Heartless shot up to the top of the charts and was on top of the charts for a while. And Blinding Lights kind of had this weird, like, um, percolation where it kind of hovered around, like, the 40s and 50s of the charts and very, very slowly worked its way up until... As we all know, it became the number one Billboard song of all time, uh, according to them. So the last song in this record, Less Than Zero, I really believe that this song is bound for a similar trajectory. It's just such an utterly fantastic song that give it the right promotion and, you know, put it in the right place at the right time and people are just going to eat it up. Like, this sounds like the song that Brandon Flowers will hear and be so pissed off that he didn't come up with it because it's it's right into that, like, 
almost arena, new wave rock kind of sound that the killers have, you know, been chasing after for however long. Except it's The weekend, and it's better than any killer song I've ever heard. That's for sure. I don't even I don't even dislike the killers if I'm being honest with you. Please don't tell anyone I said that. Yeah, it's an incredible song. Um, the perfect kind of capstone to this amazing record. Um, I like this record a lot more when it first came out. It hasn't had especially long legs for me. I usually find that is the case with records that are really, really accessible, though. Like, you know, you hear them, and for the first little while, you think it's the best thing you've ever heard in your life. And then you kind of get over it because all of the accessibility and all the things that are catchy about it and lovable about it are on the surface. So it's kind of easy to get bored of those. Whereas other records that kind of grow on you, um, you almost have to put in a little bit of work in order to get the good stuff out of those records, which ends up feeling a lot more rewarding and you really want to come back to it more and more. Um, the midsection of this album kind of drags a little bit, but I'll tell you, the first bunch of songs and, and the last song is definitely just some of the best pop music that, I don't know, I've ever heard in my life, if I'm being honest with you. So, shout out to The Weeknd for this amazing journey that he's been on, that he's led us on and honestly who cares how many records this album sells because you can tell that he is absolutely enamored with the music on this record and this project that he's put together you can hear it in every single song the care the 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 thought the emotion that went into you know the interludes every note of this album is filled with that so, thank you, Abel, The Weeknd, Tesfe, for following your heart and releasing what you wanted to release. So, coming in at number three, January 2022, is The Weeknd, Don FM. And the ridiculous made-up genre of the day for this one, I'm going to go with Retro futuristic apocalypto. <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. Um, but I'm going with it. Retro futuristic apocalypto. Wow. Wow. Okay, you guys want to do the mentions now? Oh, have you guys missed this? All right, here we go. Let's do it. These are the mentions. Yeah, I bet you missed that. Who wouldn't? So, the mentions for January 2022. Again, I'm going to try and end it off with uh, the 30 seconds of madness. Which, the more I say it, the more I kind of want to just keep it. Because it's really dumb. But, <laughs> uh, that's kind of my calling card. Uh, let's start off with the dishonorable mention. Um, you can probably guess what this is, because I've already referenced it a few times in the podcast. But the dishonorable mention for this month is going to be Gunna with DS Forever. 
it's kind of like funny to me that like this album's even kind of getting a mention on the podcast. Uh, but let me explain, okay? So, I actually really used to like Gunna. Um, his last record, Wanna? <laughs> like, you're making me sound like an idiot here, Gunna, talking about your stuff. Like, I like it, and I have to say shit like, his last record, Wanna? Um, but no, nah, seriously, his last record, Wanna, came out in 2020. It was awesome! It was great! It was such, like, a kaleidoscopic array of, of different sounds and flows and it was just a really fun record with memorable songs, memorable hooks, uh, memorable features, everything that you'd kind of want from a hip-hop record. At least like not a super serious hip-hop record. Uh, I don't know what happened but literally all of that is gone with this record. It feels like all of the color has been drained out of Gunna's music, and we're left with this kind of limp shadow of the excitement that used to be Gunna music. Um, this, this thing just sucks. Like, again, there's probably 20, 25 songs on here, and I couldn't really tell you anything that happens in any of these songs, except I remember some bad parts. And that's kind of about it, you know? Like, it's not a good thing when the only memorable parts of your record are parts that are so bad that you can't remember, like, you can't forget them. Like, there's this one line in one song where he says in, like, the, the, like this exact sing-song voice, um, I netted all over her face, and now she looked like a cow. Like, <laughs> like, listen, I appreciate a stupid lyric. I love stupid stuff, as you can probably figure out. That's that's my shit. But like, what the fuck is that, man? That's not a. It's just not a good line. It just sounds terrible. Um, the weird singy song voice that he's saying it with just somehow makes it sound even worse. It's just kind of embarrassing, honestly. So, again, and the whole thing. The whole thing is filled with this kind of. Like, remember the Young Thug record from last year had a lot of acoustic guitars and kind of lower key songs. Uh, this record follows kind of in the same vein, except without anything interesting going on at any point ever. Um, there's no real hooks. All the features are unmemorable. It just doesn't really sound like anyone really cared about this record when they made it. And it's sad because I know Gunna can make some interesting music. You know, he has this ability to slip into pocket with his flows in a way that becomes almost hypnotizing and you listen to him and he's just going and you're like, oh, you know, it's, it almost creates like an out-of-body experience. He's so good at finding these like mellow flows that just feel good when you listen to him. And like that doesn't happen at all in this record. It's a, it's a waste of talent. Um, this thing that he's been ironically pushing so hard since the album came out feels so forced and I'm baffled at how many people have kind of picked up on it and like everyone's doing the P thing now you know and it just made me really kind of reflect on <laughs> it made me really reflect on society but the but seriously like the way 
the way that the, the whole pee thing has been adapted by brands everywhere and people and all this kind of shit. It's like, this isn't even a good song. Like, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, why are you guys all over this shit? I, 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 I don't know. It, it, it just, yeah, made me think about, like, how eager we all are to jump on to whatever the next big trend is. Just to feel like we're a part of something and that we're in the know with what's supposedly cool in the culture. Even if it actually isn't that cool at all and is actually kind of lame. Um, which is exactly how I would describe this record. So, first dishonorable mention of the year goes to you, Gunna. DS4, um, DS4 the birds, more like, because this shit stinks. So, the mention for this particular month is FKA Twigs with Capra Songs. So, why a mention? The mention is always the interesting one, right? Like, what what exactly does he mean by the mention? So, the reason why I wanted to talk about this record in this particular slot is because I just found it really interesting how Twigs has found herself in this interesting situation where her reputation is almost too good. Uh, so, what do I mean by that? All of her releases up until this point have been fairly high-concept records. Um, you know, that feature some of the most cutting-edge producers and, and, you know, very futuristic sounds. And, and her whole kind of shtick has been, like, you know, this, like, pop artist from the future who's creating, you know, these, like, avant-garde R&B pop music and... It's, it's been great. It's been awesome. Um, you know, basically everything she's made has been really compelling. You know, whether it lands or not, you still kind of admire the audacity behind it. So, Capra Songs is her first official release since Magdalene back in 2019. And it's very specifically billed as a mixtape. The reason behind that being these songs just kind of sound like the songs that she made while just like fucking around and having fun. You know, there's lots of collaborators on the record. There's lots of like in-studio interludes and all this kind of stuff. Like the whole kind of shtick behind this record is low stakes. You know, um, and that's kind of what you have to do as an artist who has released such consistently high stakes music, you know, like so many other artists out there would be able to release this album as an album and they wouldn't need to kind of preface it with the whole mixtape thing because the, the songs are great. I, it's definitely not her best work. I don't think it was meant to be her best work and that's not really the point. This kind of just feels like a like an outlet for her to just kind of have some fun, but yeah, so many other artists again like this they would release this as a proper part of their catalog and it would be a standout. But 
Twigs has set such a high bar for herself that you just kind of want more from her, you know? At least that's what I feel. I listen to this album and I'm like, yeah, you know, these songs are light and fun and, and you know, kind of carefree and she's obviously having a good time, but that's just not really what I go to FKA Twigs for when I'm listening to music. I'm going for the high drama and the the opportunity to hear music that maybe doesn't sound like anything I've heard before, you know? I'm going to Twigs because I want to hear the sound of the future. I'm going to her because I want to hear... I want to hear the unique and, you know, cutting-edge ways she is spilling her heart out onto um, record for us. Because she's just been so consistently good at that release after release after release that when she puts out something as slight as this, you, you just can't help but feel a little bit over underwhelmed. And that's not even her fault. Like, she should be able to, as an artist, put out records that are lower key, low stakes, just kind of there for the fun of it all. And that's fine and well, but I'm not going back to this record the same way I would any of her other ones because it just doesn't scratch the itch that she's kind of created for herself. So, yeah, I just thought it was kind of interesting how sometimes being such a good artist isn't necessarily a good thing because even when you're trying to release something explicitly billed as just carefree and fun and a good time, it just doesn't land because you just associate that artist with a higher caliber of output. So, you know what, Twigs? I'm waiting for the album, whenever that'll come. I'm assuming there is one, or I really hope there is, because listening to this record feels like an appetizer, and now I'm just hungry for the full course. So, mention for the month is FKA Twigs, Capra Songs. And the honorable mention for January 2022, we are going to go with Def Club with Productive Disruption. So, Def Club is the latest project by Justin Pearson of countless acts, um, but also, you know, co-owner of, or maybe the sole owner now, I don't know, of 31G Records out in San Diego? I think it's San Diego. Sorry if I'm wrong, Justin, my friend. Uh, so, when I was a kid, like 14, 15, you know, like peak grade 10 years, I was absolutely obsessed with 31G. I think I told a story last year of how I basically depleted my savings account um, buying like really obscure CDs through HMV. 31G was one of those labels that I probably bought almost every CD in their entire collection from. Um, they were kind of the house for a lot of these, using Justin's words, not mine, um, kind of annoying like spazcore bands that were popular in some circles back in the day. 
Um, Justin himself was a member of The Locust, uh, Headwound City, Holy Molar, and and they kind of had their heyday back in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. Um, the Locust always being his kind of uh, marquee act. And since they broke up, he's been in an, a bunch of bands, for sure. He's kept going. Um, there's been Retox, All Leather. There was a Dead Cross with Mike Patton, of all people, who actually, I think, have another album coming out this year. Um, he's been very busy, of course, but his music just hasn't really hit the same way for me as that kind of, like, golden era 3-1-G did back in the mid-2000s or so. It just, I don't know, just wasn't quite the same. But this record, I th is it the debut? It's either the debut or sophomore record by these guys, but uh, this is the first album uh, that Pearson's put out kind of since the last Locust record, I would almost say, that really captures that same energy that, you know, the peak 3-1-G era had. And listening to it, I just almost get transported right back to being, you know, that kid, you know, four o'clock in the morning, been online for 13 hours, just like scouring the dregs of music message boards, uh, trying to find the weirdest music I possibly can. You know, it just makes me feel like that again. And believe it or not, it's a good feeling. It doesn't, maybe it doesn't sound like a good feeling, but yeah, it's the first record that he's put out in, geez, a decade or more that feels like it's as vital as those old records used to be. Um, it has a lot of the same energy as kind of those early Locust records do, um, the ones before New Erections. Um, and it, it has a lot of, uh, this is kind of awkward to say now, but kind of a lot of the same energy as early Daughters did. Um, you know, we don't talk about Daughters anymore, unfortunately, due to a certain someone being a massive piece of shit. Daughters of band, not Daughters, like, generally people, by the way. Um, we can still talk about Daughters as, like, a family unit. Uh, but yeah, it just harkens back to that era in a way that no other band really has in a long time. So, it's just you know, almost comforting me, comforting to me to hear Justin, who's got to be in his 40s now, still able to produce high quality, annoying as fuck, hardcore. So, shouts out to JP. Um, we've been Facebook friends for like 15 years now. He still writes happy birthday on my wall every year. So I'll always have love for that guy. And this Def Club record is fantastic. If you like having your ears absolutely pummeled in. So, coming into the honorable mention for the month, we have Def Club, Productive Disruption. Oh, I didn't do any genre things for the mentions. Whatever. <laughs> uh, we can do that starting next month. Okay. 30 seconds of madness starting right... Wait, should I set a timer? Oh, I should set a timer. You know, I want to make this legit, okay? 30 seconds of mad. So this is where, again, I'm just going to talk about a few other records that I thought were good, but maybe not good enough to, uh, you know, ramble on about for 10 minutes. Here we go. 30 seconds starting now.
Oh, we had Anxious with Little Green House. Great little piece of emo, post-hardcore, good stuff. Uh, we had the Foxtails debut record. Classic Screamo type stuff. Really, really awesome. Um, we had the Slow Bleed record. Uh, I forget what it's called. Um, I think it's their first in like eight years. But that was like a nice kind of vintage metal sound. And we also had, uh, I think my time's running up, but those records are cool, so listen to them too! Does that, does that timer noise give you guys, uh, PTSD-induced shivers like it does me? Probably. So that's that, and that concludes the mentions for January 2022. These are the mentions. The mentions. The mentions. Okay, so, 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 here we go. Um, number two, January 2022. We have, oh, I just took like the best pee ever, by the way. Can you hear the satisfaction of my voice? So, coming in at number two, we have the Anti-Dawn EP by Burial. Burial. Uh, so, Burial, you know, he came into prominence, jeez, almost 20 years ago now, that's wild, about 15, 16 years ago, as kind of the father of this kind of gloomy dubstep slash post-dubstep sound uh, that, you know, became really, really popular in the UK, eventually becoming really popular here in North America. But he hasn't really sounded like that in a long time, has he? Um, after releasing, you know, the ridiculously critically claimed Untrue back in 2007, he had kind of an interesting decade from, you know, the 2010s to the 2020, where instead of, you know, continuing to release acclaimed full-length records, he strictly released either really long-ass EPs that are lengthwise longer than any other EPs that I've ever seen, or just strictly sticking to singles, um, kind of coming out of nowhere. And these different releases saw him taking on a lot of interesting different sounds and slowly but surely veering away from the dubstep sound that kind of he came to define. Um, we saw it first with the Kindred EP, where, yeah, the first song Kindred definitely had that dubstep, dubstep, <laughs> dubstep, that's what you call Skrillex. Um, the kind of signature percussion of dubstep in that first song, but then as the album went on, you know, more techno influences, and then the last song, Astray Wasp, is just kind of everything, you know? It, it kind of is, is all genres and no genres. And this is kind of the direction he went in as the decade went on. Um, I don't think he really, other than Kindred, I don't think he really released like a proper quote-unquote dubstep song maybe since then. Um, he's ventured into a lot of different subgenres, whether... You know, techno, house, 
um, you know, a little bit of UK garage, but the genre that he's kind of veered the most towards is ambient. And as a Burial fan, it's been kind of hard to reckon with because, again, Untrue in his, his debut um, eponymous record back in the day, like, he really perfected those sounds. Like, those are perfect albums. Like, and, and that's kind of... That's always what a part of you wants from Burial. You know, you want him to go back to those roots. And you want him to make those really haunting dance tracks that he's obviously so good at doing. But clearly that's just not where his heart is anymore. And he's been transitioning away from that. And it's been, it's been kind of a rough transition, to be honest with you. Um... The songs haven't necessarily hit, and I found myself losing interest in Burial as a producer uh, over the past few years. Uh, I think I maybe checked out his releases from last year maybe once, and just kind of moved on. Kind of got to a point where I just didn't really care about Burial anymore, um, and I feel like that's kind of echoed in a lot of other people's sentiments as well, you know? Um, when you kind of want something from an artist and they don't deliver it, consistently you know even if they are delivering other stuff they have to be absolutely incredible they have to be like radiohead level to maintain your interest when they veer off the path that you've kind of already mentally set out for them so this is the first of his releases in a long time that have really landed for me and at first it didn't at all. At first, I remember putting this record on and being like, Oh, here we go, like another, you know, ambient slog fest from Burial. But, and this is kind of where I'm going to get into a, a little bit of the, <laughs> the meta of the podcast, if you will. So, artists that I, you know, have kind of a relationship with musically over time... I'm more willing to give the benefit of the doubt to, whereas, you know, people I haven't necessarily heard of, it's a lot harder for them because their records either have to kind of catch my interest or whatever maybe from the get-go, like I need to listen to it, and if something doesn't really catch me about it that initial time, I mean, I'm probably just going to move on. Um, your boy's got lots of shit to listen to, okay? But if it's an artist that, you know, I, 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 I love or, you know, have, have a long-standing history of listening to, if something doesn't land the first time, I'm going to give it another try, you know? Because I know that this particular artist is capable of making good music. So maybe I, maybe the, maybe it's, maybe it's me, you know? Maybe I'm the problem here. So let me give it another listen. Maybe it'll land for me this time. So... I think it was like the third listen or so of this record. I was making dinner and I put it on and all of a sudden it just hit. And like, I just totally got it. It, it all just kind of made sense to me what he was trying to do and the ways in which he achieved it. So calling this an ambient record is, it's almost not fair because what do you think of when you think of ambient music? You know, you think of, you know, long stretches of, notes or chords that kind of drone on and, and kind of pretty soundscapes um this 
this doesn't really fall into that. This is more... Uh, this is more like field recording sound design with like a patchwork of like hints of song ideas um, kind of thrown into it. It's really fascinating how the whole thing is laid out. Um, apparently the record is like a concept album about like some entity leading you through like a, a city at night or something like that. Doesn't matter. What matters is, you know, he made this in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of these tr really trying, difficult times. And for an artist who, you know, kind of came up in the world through making dance, club music, it must be weird to be around in this pandemic where, you know, people aren't dancing anymore, people aren't at the clubs anymore, you know, the whole sense of community that was the whole focus of your music is no longer there, you know, that's no longer the foundation of why you're creating it. Um, even for someone like Burial, who has kind of stepped away from being a dance music producer for quite some time now, uh, you know, that, that part of his heart is definitely still in the clubs and, and, and in the warehouses. And to see that as no longer being a thriving ecosystem must have some effect on him. Um, and just everything else associated with the pandemic as well. You know, uh, the loneliness, the depression, the anxiety, uh, the, the rising tensions that just seem to escalate every day day after day it's a it's it's a rough time emotionally you know the the energy of the entire world is is kind of messed up right now and you hear a lot of that on this record um i initially described this record to one of my friends as like one of the saddest albums i've ever heard and it's that's partially true i'd say about half of it is just really sad um burial he's got a way of whether it's finding the right you know vocal samples or, or the right tones or he's he's just an absolute master at creating atmospheres that make you feel something and the emotional weight of this record is just intense like it's impossible to listen to this thing and not feel something um it's incredibly heavy but it's not all dark you know they're the first half or so is pretty bleak for sure but the second last song kind of veers into a little bit of warmth and a little bit of hope and the last song is very dramatic but again, not necessarily in a downcast kind of way. And more so in just like a look at everything come together kind of way. I don't know, it's hard to explain. But the point is, this record takes you on an emotional journey from start to finish um, through extremely unconventional means. You know, like this isn't about lyrics or, or you know, chord structures tugging on your heartstrings. This is like soundscapes and and you know little snippets of vocals that just haunt you and, and reach into the depths of your soul so i don't think burial is released 
an album this kind of emotionally impactful maybe ever which is hard to I mean he's he's released so many incredible pieces of music over time but I'd say this one for me is absolutely my favorite of his at least since Kindred maybe even ever we'll see how it goes but I'm really high on this record right now um so I, I really encourage you all to give it a try and give it a few tries, you know? There's kind of a lot to unpack here. A lot of things you might not necessarily pick up on your first time listening through. You know, he's really kind of buried lots of little... Buried? His name's Burial! Of course he buried it! Uh, different elements that you can kind of seek out and find through repeated listens and it's just a such a rewarding experience but i will warn you it it can be quite emotionally devastating at times so buckle up and prepare for the best or worst whatever you uh however you prefer to look at it so coming in at number two is the anti-dawn ep by burial and the ridiculous uh, whatever genre we're making up of the day is... Oof, this is a hard one. Okay, so... Wow, we made it to the end of the first episode. Um... <laughs> I was like, mentally, like, okay, you know, this year, we're going to be concise, we're going to keep the episodes brief and to the point. Uh, yeah, that clearly isn't happening. Uh, I'm sorry, I just have a lot to say, okay? Um, so, anyway, number one for January 2022 is Cloakroom with Dissolution Wave. So, this is what I would say the first uh, compulsively listenable album that I've heard this year. You know, there's been a lot of great records released so far that I've talked about, but this is the first one that I've really felt like, okay, like, can't we listen to it again? You know, like I'm, I'm like genuinely excited to listen to. Like when I finish recording this, I'm probably gonna put it on and listen to it again. I've already listened to it twice today. It's the first, you know, every year, at least for me personally. Um, you go into a new year and you wonder if your passions are gonna stay intact. You know, I know for me personally, every year it's like. Okay, this is, now this is going to be the year that, like, I just don't care about whatever anymore, you know? Or, um, in terms of music, specifically this phenomenon, um, you know, I'm turning 32 this year. And every year for the past few years has been like, okay, like, this is the year that I finally just, like, stop caring as much about music. Like, not because I want to stop, but... You know, I, I guess we're kind of taught in a weird way that when you get older, your passions just kind of go away and you have to be, you know, 
a working man or whatever, you know? Um, so there's always this part of me that's always kind of afraid every year when a new year starts. Like, am I not gonna have that passion for music anymore? Like, are new releases not going to move me the way that new releases always did move me? Um, like, New Release Friday, for me, is like, that's what I look forward to every week, you know? I, I get so excited Friday morning waking up and, and looking and seeing, okay, what's out, you know? And, 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 and kind of picking, okay, what am I going to listen to today? What order am I going to listen to this all in? Like, we all need something to look forward to, especially in bleak as fuck times like this one. And, you know, that new release Friday and, and new music is what kind of keeps me going and, and kind of fuels my engine. So it's scary to think that I'm not going to feel that way anymore because it's like, shit, if I don't have that to look forward to, what do I have to look forward to? What, what do I have to be passionate about? Um, and I, I feel like, so the first record that you hear every year that kind of reaffirms that passion and reaffirms that you still have that kind of intense desire for new music and that, that insatiable hunger, it, 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 every record that kind of reaffirms that has a really special place. And this is going to end up being the one for me this year, for sure. Uh, last year it was the Eyelid record, and I was really lucky because that album came out like literally right away, like the first day of January, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna love music again in 2021, like, I know, because this record rules and I want to listen to it all the time. Uh, whereas this Cloakroom record, this only came out last Friday, so all of January it was like, yeah, this is good. But it was never really like, oh yeah, this is great, I can't wait! Um, anyway, so, the Cloakroom record is... Kind of like a... Shoegaze emo record, I guess? That, no, mm, that doesn't really work. So, they have traditionally made, uh, you know, shoegaze-adjacent music, kind of mixed with space rock. Um, kind of really good at creating these really vast sounding songs with lots of reverb and distortion and um, you know kind of classic really low mixed vocals with the guy singing them who sounds like he's half awake um, and they kind of hit this niche with their last few records um, creating a genre that they kind of lovingly referred to as stoner emo, uh, basically just referring to, you know, the kind of wide soundscapes and, and spaciness of their music mixed with the kind of, you know, almost humble and, you know, sad sounding vocal inflections that the vocalist brings to the table. Uh, and they really rested on their laurels of being this kind of expansive band. Um, you know, a lot of their songs, you know, going from the 6 plus to 10 minute mark and having a lot of songs as well. Like their last record was almost like an hour and 10 minutes long, but there's only like 10 songs on it. So long songs, um, you know, 
The whole idea is they really want to kind of draw you into this hypnotic kind of groove. Um, so, on this record, they really pare it all back. And they've talked about in the release, kind of coming up to the release of Dissolution Wave, that they wanted to focus on the song craft first. And I think what's really cool is maybe as a way to kind of motivate themselves to do that, they created this concept about the record. So there's a, there is a con, it is a concept album. The concept is something crazy like, uh, like art, it's the future and all art has disappeared. And the only way to like keep creativity alive is like these like songwriters having to create songs and like send them into the ether. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Again, like you, you can't even really hear the guy saying anyway. So don't worry about stuff like that. But again, like by having the concept of the album be songwriting, they've really honed their songwriting and made that the main focal point of the music instead of you know long droning ambiences or whatever it might be um this album definitely still feels hypnotic in a lot of ways uh they're just really good at kind of hitting and landing upon certain guitar tones that really scratch a really satisfying kind of drony itch uh but first and foremost these are songs you know there are you know hooks there are vocal melodies and riffs, like things that, when you think of what songs are, kind of the components of those, you can find those in these songs more so than you ever were with any of their previous albums. And it, it just works fantastically. I mean, being able to be more economic with their songwriting while still also maintaining their identity of this kind of spaced out shoegaze band is that it works wonders for them because it makes the songs easier to listen to it makes it easier to kind of pick out different tracks um for like listen upon a later time like all their all other records their album records you know where you just kind of put the first song on and let it play through it's a little bit hard to distinguish from song to song because they all kind of feature the same you know hypnotic expansiveness but this one you know, the songs sound different, they have defining features, and that makes, that kind of puts them on a whole new level of where they weren't before, you know? They were an esteemed band, they had a lot of, you know, acclaim in, in underground circles, but not necessarily because their songs were amazing. It was more so like, oh, you know, like the experience of listening to Cloakroom is such a great experience, but now you still have that with this record but you also have like oh i love that melody or you know like i i particularly like the chorus of that song or whatever it is um so when you can kind of do both the way that these guys have um it's really special you don't see a lot of bands doing it and it just works amazingly like the fact that this record is only 37 minutes long it's like more than 20 minutes less or like 20 or 30 minutes um shorter than their last album um it's really impressive like 
it's hard to kind of whittle yourself down like that and, and, and you know, be more concise while still landing and achieving the same kind of effect. Uh, it shows that these guys are, at this point, experienced vets. You know, these guys just aren't um, a bunch of guys that work in, like, a warehouse anymore who do a band on the side. You know, the care and attention and detail and the economics of the songwriting shows that Cloakroom is a band that is meant to be taken very seriously. And hopefully, you know, this record manages to kind of branch out and, and bring more people into the fold so they can continue down this line of, um, you know, really crafting the songs themselves instead of just relying on, you know, super dope guitar tones and distortion. So, yeah, it's definitely the first album of the year that I've really felt connected to, that I love listening to, that has songs that kind of are unique and stand out to me. Um, I mean, you know, for sure the Weekend album has great songs to stand out and I want to listen to. But, I mean, you know, just being honest, I like this kind of genre a little bit more. And because of that, this is the album that kind of edges out everything else that was released this, uh, this month, anyway. So, coming in at number one, we have Dissolution Wave by Cloakroom. Thank you for reminding me that I still love music. Uh, the ridiculous absurd genre of the day for this record is going to be... Um, hmm. How about Space Stoner? Yeah, we're gonna go with Space Stoner Pop. Sure, why not? Okay, well, this was fun, guys. Uh, wow, we're almost at 90 minutes. My bad. Um, hope you had nothing better to do today. That's our first episode. Done. We're feeling great. Feeling positive. Having a great time. Um, really excited to keep going into this new year. See what amazing new records are going to be released. I mean, it's always so fun to kind of speculate, like, how the year's going to go. Like, I look back on 2021, and, you know, a lot of the records in my top 10 were from acts that I didn't even know existed before they came out. Will that be the same for this year? Who knows? That's the fun of this whole exciting endeavor that we're on together. So as always, thank you for listening. Please reach out if you have any questions, comments, concerns. As always, I'm very open and welcome to guests so if you'd like to be a part of an episode you want to talk about something with me let's do it hit me up um ph5 on sorry ph5 podcast on instagram um i'm on twitter too just google me you'll find me somewhere again thank you so much this is phil may checking out enjoy your february we'll be in touch soon Thank you.